would like to start digitizing my notes. How do I get started instructionally with that? Well, questions dealing with Evernote, I'm new to it. And I was wondering if you had any uh, people you would recommend going to learn how to organize it better because I'm having trouble with the organization. How might we learn to extend these fulcrum and pivot mini key moments? I'd like to slow down such decisions by as much as 30 seconds at times, say while sorting papers. ADHD Rewired episode 138. This is the show designed for those of us with really good intentions, but a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and speaker. The website is ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me tell you about this. Join us for the next ADHD Rewired webinar. October is ADHD Awareness Month, and all October ADHD Rewired listeners are invited to join us on Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. Central Time. It's Productivity Q&A. Go to erictivers.com slash events to register. That's erictivers.com slash events. See you there. The CHAD International Conference on ADHD is November 10th through the 12th in beautiful, sunny Costa Mesa, California. I'll be speaking about time management strategies following Ari Tuckman's talk on the science of time. Go to chad.org to register. I hope to see you there. You've got questions and we've got answers. Every Tuesday during October, it's ADHD Awareness Month, and we are doing live Q&A webinars all month long, every Tuesday, 12.30 to 1.30 p.m. Central Time. Go to erictivers.com slash events to register for the next webinar. Did you miss the last one? Don't worry. Here it is. Enjoy. Welcome to a Q&A session of ADHD Rewired. So it, it is ADHD Awareness Month, and all month long, we are doing a weekly Q&A session where you bring your questions, and uh, we filter these, these answers and ask also members who are in the community to share their ideas and, and respond as well. So um, I know that we have some people who have submitted questions in advance, and we do have those. And we are, are also inviting people to submit their questions in the text Q&A in the webinar, as well as joining us. And we are hoping that some of you will join us in Zoom so we can actually see your beautiful faces and hear your voices, because uh, that's really how we get the feeling of community. As I, as I often say, ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community. So, Nisha, do you have a, uh, a question to start us off with? Yes, I do. Um, the first question is from Kurt, something we always, all, all of us go through. He asks, how do I keep myself on task? I am working on something important for work. Important meaning if I don't do well, I could be let go. Then suddenly while working on this important, um, sorry, I think he didn't complete the question, but basically his question is, how does he keep focused on a task when um, he's working? Okay, great, great starting question. 
Uh, how do you stay focused on a task when working? Uh, Kurt, thank you so much for the question. So I think it can really depend on a lot of, there's a lot of variables when it comes to focus. Um, I, one of the things is to look at is what are the things that are distracting you? Um, one of the, 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 I think, first things we need to think about when we're talking about staying focused is eliminating distractions. You know, it's not about trying harder with, with focusing. You know, it's not a matter of pure will and, uh, and, and the grit of, um, of your, your response. Um, let's see. All right. And speaking of distractions, so I was trying to mute Nisha because I heard her typing and I hit the wrong button and it totally derailed my thoughts. So things like that, you know, where uh, um, you have uh, multiple things going on, that's going to derail your your uh, attention for what you are doing. Now, if the the issues are related to you're getting bored with stuff or you go, are going down rabbit holes, you know, one strategy that that I use um, is I will put take two sticky notes and put them on my computer. And one sticky note is, what do I want to be doing right now? So I'll put that on the, on the computer. And the other one says, what do I not want to be doing right now? So it's, it gives them that clear focus. There's some other strategies like using the Pomodoro technique. Uh, the Pomodoro technique is where you set timers using uh, one for you a, a period of 25 minutes. You set a timer for that. Then for three to five minutes, on using a timer, you'll take a break and then you come back to that task for working over 25 minutes. And then you try to do that for a series of four intervals and then take a longer break. So I think there's a lot of different uh, things that are in play. Now, if you have any other follow-up questions like that, please uh, either add it into the chat or if you're able to, we'd be happy to, to invite you uh, to join us as a panelist so we can see you and be able to respond to your questions that way as well. All right. So do we have another question ready to go? Yes. And Bree is uh, ready to come on as a panelist and ask her question live. So I think we can do that now. Okay. Let's promote Bree to panelist. Hey, Bree, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. What's your question? Um, okay, so I would like to start digitizing my uh, notes that I take during meetings or phone calls uh, because I tend to write those down on whatever paper is laying around me and then I don't um, keep track of it. And I figure it would be much easier to keep track of if I digitize those. And I'm not exactly sure how to do that, what apps to use to do that. I'd like it. I'd like to be able to search. I know, like with Evernote, you can tag things, and um, I'd like to be able to do that. I'd also like to be able to search my actual uh, writing if Evernote could decipher it. <laughs> and I'm just saying, Evernote. I don't know if that's the right app to use. And then, how do I get started instructionally with that? Okay, great, great questions. Um, so now, do you actively use Evernote? No, I do not. It's intimidating to me because I kind of, I don't know how to use it and I don't know how to, to file things. Okay. Now I know, I think two or three uh, Q and A's ago, we had a lot of conversation about Evernote. Um, So let me first respond to your question on uh, using Evernote, Uh, but then I also have a couple other ideas as well. So with Evernote, in the, with a premium version of Evernote, you can uh, there's a, a document scanner that you can take pictures of your notes. You can take pictures of a whiteboard. I, I often do this. 
Um, and the nice thing about Evernote is that it will search your handwriting. Um, it will search my handwriting. And if uh, you've ever had the pleasure of viewing my handwriting, it's, um, and I think probably most second graders have better handwriting than, okay. than I have. The only thing that I have found is that I had to make sure I was connecting my Ks. It was the only thing that was like, it, it was having a hard time sort of reading. But I was actually okay. really surprised with how well it actually read my chicken scratch. Okay, so now that's Evernote, and Evernote is one of these these tools uh, that a lot of people are overwhelmed at at first, and I think a big part of it is because they hear, you know, that that Evernote can do so many different things, which kind of overwhelms them. The way I think of Evernote is that Evernote is a a a it's a digital archive that it stores all of your stuff, and it can search it like Google. I mean, to me, that is the the best way that I know of to think about Evernote. Um, there's a lot of advanced features that you can use with it. I use a few of them. I know that there's a lot that I don't use. Um, I know that Nisha is an advanced Evernote user um, and has offered some, some uh, and will be offering next year, some courses specifically on Evernote. But going back to the question about digitizing. So there's there's Evernote. Also, and I recorded a video on this a while back. It's uh, it's floating around on Facebook. So if you use the Dropbox app, you may have noticed that there's a when you open the app, there's a little plus sign. And when you tap on that plus sign, it will ask if you want to take a picture or scan a document. Right. And okay. so you can scan that way as well. Now, I do don't think, though, it will search the handwriting. Now, are you on an iPhone or an Android? Android. Okay. So I had a, a client uh, recently do this where he, because he uses Google Drive with, uh, with school. So I, um, we went to see, he opened up his Google Drive app and um, it appears that Google Drive for Android has the scan picture um, uh, function. The iPhone version does not. And, the, and we experimented with it and, and the Google Drive app will search your handwriting. Oh, okay. So you don't have to be so worried about tagging and properly filing. Um, you know, if you know a couple of the words that are in there, um, it mm -hmm. should be able to find it. Okay, great. Thank okay. you. Nisha, do you have anything that you wanted to, to add to that? Because I know this is a domain that, that you know a lot about. I think recently on one of our coaching groups, someone had introduced us to this bullet journaling kind of uh, app. Uh, I forget what the name was. Priya, I can share that with you later. And uh, I can, you know, I'll, I'll look it up in the during the session and I will uh, let you guys. And, and for and for all the the listeners, uh, we'll, we'll get the link to that posted in the show notes for for this. Yeah. And I think it was called Note Shelf, Pri. Um, it looked like a really good note taking app. Uh, and, uh, you know, it includes, I think you can go to their store and get a stylus for your if you have an iPad or something like that, um, I think an iPad is a really, really good tool for note taking. Um, it, you know, if it, because you're not like clattering over a keyboard during your meeting, it uh, is a good note taking tool for that reason. So uh, something like that. I, I, I really do believe Evernote is a really good uh, tool as well. If you have handwritten notes that you want to scan, you'll be surprised at how good the search is even on your handwritten content. But I must say that uh, it comes only with the premium version, which is totally worth it, by the way. And uh, you know, Nisha mentioned a, uh, the use of a stylus. So I have this stylus, it's a, it's, um, I don't know if I'm saying it right, 
at Adonit, A-D-O-N-I-T. And I really like this size of, of, so you can see it, the way it's basically, it's a ball and it rotates. So it's on this like, so it feels more like a pen. One of the issues I see with a lot of standard stylus is that the tip is too thick. So it doesn't really feel natural. Like you're writing, it kind of feels like you're writing with a fat crayon, um, which, you know, if, if you have issues with handwriting, that's going to be hard. Um, this really allows you to get more precision. Um, with that, um, so if you're if you do have an iPad and uh, um, and you do want to use handwritten note taking with your iPad, I would look at, for a, a stylus that has more of a point like this one does. Okay, thank you so much, Bree, for your question. Thank you. All right, do we have another question? Um, I think I think there was a good question in the chat that I saw that I want to promote. It's uh, I think it was. Uh, Kurt, who said uh, he used Dropbox but never had the patience to fully learn how to use it. I just thought since you mentioned Dropbox, it would be a good uh, segue into that. And, uh, you know, that way we can, you know, discuss this as well. So. Sure, great. Um, so I love Dropbox. Um, I mean, really, Dropbox is a, is a standard file structure, but it all lives on the cloud. One of the nice things about Dropbox is if you... You know, we've all had the experience of trying to send a large file over email and then our, we get the, the, the email gets kicked back saying our servers won't allow us to send this large file. Well, with Dropbox, all your files, will you can generate a link. And so that way you can share a file, but you're not actually sending the file itself. We're just sending the link to that file to somebody else. Um, you know, I think that keeping important documents only on your computer is dangerous. Um, as someone who is uh, in the last year has lost a bunch of data, um, I now have like, you know, triple backup um, uh, for, for stuff. So Dropbox makes it really easy to share files to be able to access them remotely. Um, you can also set your, your smartphone to automatically upload photos from your phone. Uh, so it doesn't, you know, so it's not taking up all the space on your computer. So that's, I mean, Dropbox really is just, it's a cloud-based file system that really is organized just like any other file system. Um, there's also some other nice features on Dropbox where when you log into the website version of it, where you can uh, password protect files. Um, that is a feature that I use. You can also uh, set a an expiration uh, date for a particular file if you're sharing a file, um, which is also a feature that I use. So, and you can also collaborate with people. Um, so like Nisha and I, we, we share a number of Dropbox folders. I have Dropbox folders that I share with my, my uh, editing team for the podcast. So it's, it makes it really easy. So it, it, if, if you know you have to share documents with people instead of going back and forth, you just use it as you would any other file on your computer. But now this lives on the cloud and other people uh, can, um, can, can get access to it. So I, I hope that answered the question. Nisha, do you, do you have anything to ask or to add to that? Um, I think I think that the, the trick with any tool, I believe, is to stick with it for a, for a few days. And um, it's uncomfortable when you start with a new tool and some things work, some things don't work. I would definitely say Google it every now and then. Google your issues and you'll or be YouTube. surprised at or YouTube, exactly. I get most of my questions answered on YouTube, by the way, related to pretty much any spectrum of my life. I go on YouTube. I have uh, people I follow on YouTube. I uh, love, uh, I feel like it's a very good ADHD-friendly format. Uh, you can make the video go faster and you can listen to it at 
the pace that you want. So it's it's a great place to learn things. Nisha, do you have uh, a favorite tech person that you follow on YouTube? Uh, no, not I follow people on YouTube, but not tech people. Uh, I follow people for other things, <laughs> um, but I do I do get a lot of tech help from YouTube. Right. There's a there is a YouTuber who does a lot of different uh, stuff on technology called uh, his name is Steve Dotto and his I think his channel is called Dotto Tech D O T T O. Um, he he really goes in depth on a lot of different things. Uh, um, so you might want to check that out as well. All right. What's our next question? So the next question comes from Justin and he is willing to go uh, live. So let's have him. Hello, Justin. Let me go ahead and unmute you. So what's your question? Uh, well, question is dealing with Evernote. I'm new to it, and I was wondering if you had any uh, people you would recommend going to look at their YouTube channels to learn how to organize it better, because I'm having trouble with the organization. Right. All right. So um, Steve Dotto, I know, has information on uh, on Evernote. I, I know that I've read some, uh, some blog posts by Michael Hyatt uh, a while back on Evernote, um, and he's just a great thought leader, Michael Hyatt. The beyond the to-do list, uh, Eric um, with a K, uh, he spells it wrong. Um, <laughs> Eric um, Fisher uh, has has done stuff on uh, on Evernote. Have you looked at YouTube to just see what's out there? I've looked at a couple. Um, you know, being specific to ADHD, no, I haven't. And I don't know if you need to necessarily look at something that's specific to ADHD. Um, you know, one of the things that I think, because I, I think my journey with Evernote is a lot like, I think a lot of people's where like, they don't get it at first. They're like, they hear everyone talking about it and they're just like, they try it out and they're like, what am I doing with this? I just, I don't, I don't get it. Um, and that that was very much my experience. And then I kept hearing all of these kind of podcasters and other thought leaders that I really like and follow, um, sort of sharing that same experience and then they talk about how they went back and sort of uh, relearned some stuff. Oh, Evernote Essentials is supposed to be a really good, I think it's an online course, um, also a book. And so they were talking about once they sort of spent the time to, to learn the, this, uh, this tool, it has become their sort of go-to kind of favorite tool. So I said, you know, if all these people are doing this, I'm gonna give it another try because, you know, they were describing an experience that I had had that I didn't quite get it. And so, and I did that and I'm really glad that, that I did. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't recommend using it. And I know some people do, I don't recommend using it as a to-do list or even a project management type of, uh, of system. I know some people use that and if, they, if you're using that for that and it works for you, that's awesome. Like do what works, right? But I really, the way I, I kind of think about it, it's an, an ADHD friendly file system because you can basically just have piles of everything thrown together and you can still find your stuff, which is amazing. And I'd also like to, uh, you know, issue you a challenge, Justin, try to think of it as um, something that's really searchable, so you don't need to organize it. Sometimes I know we really want things organized and lined up and in order, but the beauty of Evernote, to be really honest, is its searchability. So you can just throw stuff in there. I know my Evernote is not organized. It's all in one notebook. Um, and I have some tags for like particular things that I use it for, but pretty much everything else I can just search for it. And I like that. I like the fact that it's, uh, you know, I can just dump stuff into that. It makes it very easy to use as a result. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate the question. All right. Do you have, we have another question? Uh, the next question comes from Robert. Robert, I, um, 
Are you ready to come on and ask your question? I know Robert had posted something else about Evernote, but he sent in a question that I thought was very, uh, he sent it in when he registered for the webinar that I thought was very relevant. I wonder if Robert's thinking right now, I wonder what that question was. That was probably yesterday. I don't really remember. (laughs) And that happens so often, right? (laughs) Um, We, you know, we have this happen in our coaching groups where we ask people, hey, how did you do on your goal for the week? And they're like, wait, what was my goal for the week? I don't (laughs) don't know. That happens a lot. Uh, But the question that Robert sent that was very, very relevant is about learning to slow down during moments of decision making. Mm. How might we learn to extend these fulcrum and pivot mini key moments? I'd like to slow down such decisions by as much as 30 seconds at times, say while sorting papers. So I think this is a very great question. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, see if Robert will be, I think he says, yeah, he said, sure. So you can promote him. Hello, Robert. How's it going? Good. I'm, I'm uh, having that, uh, looking at my, did I brush my teeth right moment here? To, it's my first uh, webinar. Uh, well, welcome to your first webinar. We, we promise we won't <laughs> bite and uh, um, we're glad that you're here. Thank where, you. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from, I live in San Francisco. I'm on an island here out in the Bay and uh it's uh, just totally cool that we get to have this cyber community. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It is. All right. It's really so cool. y- your question is about decision making and about slowing down. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Give me some more context for um, where this is happening. Sure. Um, I'm I'm definitely a creative type, and I'm sort of shoehorned into a uh, linear world at times. And I, not that I don't have that side, I, I do. Uh, but it's just sort of like where, what task I'm doing, or what you know, what hat I'm wearing today. So, uh, especially in my technology degree uh, that I'm working on, which is instructional design, or in just mundane tasks. I can get impatient and I can go on autopilot and then my brain is like doing five other things somehow. I'm juggling five subjects somehow. And I totally don't, I know you've mentioned putting something in the fridge or maybe one of your uh, guests said that. Um, I, I, I just, I can do that. And then I, I'm not making, I know it's sort of a meta productivity question, but uh, I found that the, for, for these things out there, like Evernote, they only work when I'm kind of really joined in yoked with them you know if mm-hmm. i'm kind of on autopilot about it, i'm not really they're not do they're not really doing what they're designed to do because i'm not really present with them right and if any tool like no tool is going to work for you if you're not working the tool right it's it's not like you're hiring an assistant to do this work for you right yeah, yeah. any tool is really going to be a way to organize information to to structure what we're doing um but we have to this is do the actual work. Now you use the, the term a couple of times, autopilot. So I have this idea that, um, you know, people with ADHD often are pushing the autopilot button on life, right? But our, you know, in, in our dashboard of all of our controls, that autopilot button while there, it's actually not connected to anything, right? So we try to go on autopilot thinking this is going to work for us and it, it never does, right? So we right. need a reminder about that. So maybe for you, and you talked about kind of slowing down and pausing. Um, 
what if you had just at your computer because it sounds like a lot of the work that you do is at your computer yeah but a lot of this type of uh decision making can happen well i don't want to uh one of your yes that's true but it also happens in real world mundane events too so okay um so if you saw a reminder let's first take your computer and then we'll look at the other areas um if you put on your computer say on the, the the frame of your computer a picture of a pause button do you think that that cue would would help kind of remind you at least for a little while yeah yeah i think it probably would okay uh for like three days or maybe like every week i'd, I'd have to move it somewhere yeah so or you yeah. put it on a different color sticky note after a few days right Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are there situations that you tend to find yourself in where you are more likely to make an impulsive decision where uh, you, you were just an autopilot and you didn't slow down to, to consider and evaluate? Yeah. Uh, if I could actually read my own uh, part of my own question for just a second, because it's it's uh, I want to drill into the question just enough to kind of uh, paint it right, which is kind of the wording I'm using. Um, basically about that kind of, I call it, I, I sort of invented the words fulcrum and pivot kind of mini key moments. They're not the key moments like where you're at the altar saying I do. There are these little things that sort of define your day because you're making sort of small to medium level decisions, but then things flow out of that. Okay. So here's what I basically said. Um, my hunch is that if I could become more aware of when, how, and where I'm focusing attention, sort of applying which of my various paintbrushes should I use, that is which levels sort of thinking levels seem best, like micro or macro, uh, sorry, micro to meta, macro, then my sense is productivity would be gained because I'd be keeping momentum where it counts. So because my brain is either writing something in my head or I just sort of think, okay, this is a boring task I'll do. And I just, part of me goes somewhere else and I'll get, I, I don't want to sacrifice that, that creative side because I love to write. I love the ideas that come out of that creative side, but I've also having that will of the wisp kind of be my uh, taskmaster is not a good uh, taskmaster. I don't get a lot done. It's not productive. So let me ask you this. Do you, um, what's your planning process like? It's not as good as it should be. <laughs> yeah, that's the. And, and so that, that might okay. be something that would also uh, help you as well. Um, you know, spending 15, 20 minutes every morning planning your day, um, reviewing that plan multiple times a day to keep asking yourself, all right, wh where am I in my day? Am I doing what I want to be doing right now? What's coming up next? Right. And keep going and looking at that. It's, you know, it's, it's to go back to the, the term of, the, of, of autopilot, it's, we have these, these, uh, it's like our, we have a GPS, right? Our, our plan for our day is our GPS. The, the problem is our GPS can't really keep in mind more than one direction at a time. Right. I was, uh, I think I was sharing with uh, our, our coaching group um, last week that when I go to the airport, um, I get very sort of distracted and sort of over. I, I live in the Chicago area. So if you've ever been to O'Hare, it's a huge, huge airport. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, if yeah. you have ADHD and are, are can be overstimulated, yeah. like the way right. I, I get there, it's, it's, this is, a, 
tough place for me because I have to get there really, really early because it's amazing how easy I'll get lost there. So okay. if I'm asking, if I ask someone, how do I get to a certain place in the airport? You know, they start telling me the directions. All I, all I worry about is the, the first direction they told me. And then I just say, thanks. And I'll, I'll, I'll walk away. And then I go to that place and then I'll find the next person I can ask. And so I'm not trying to keep all this information in my head. I know that I have these, these pivot points, right? Where I can keep checking in. So if it's my daily plan, my pivot point is after every exercise of whatever I'm doing, after every meeting, I'm reviewing my, my plan. If I'm at the airport, I'm looking for someone in a an official-looking shirt that I can ask. Um, you know, so it's because if we go on autopilot, we're going to get lost. I mean, that's that's I haven't seen the outcome be any different. I totally get that. I, um, at, when you're paper sorting or something kind of boring, um, and you notice that suddenly you uh, are going up a level of thinking or down into a kind of a micro type of thinking, like, okay, these, this is a linear, okay, no, this takes a, a conceptual type of thinking. I need to think about, it's just a totally different type of paintbrush, so to speak. And that's a derailment point for me where I suddenly can go off to, oh, well, let me just consider what that, you know, whatever it will be. And then I'm like, oh, wait, what, what was I doing? And, so, um, and so, you know, quick question, because because uh, what I'm hearing is a very sort of uh, the the can refer to it as cognitive hyperactivity, where your brain is is like, you know, 30 things going on all at the same time. And then you're thinking about the fact that you're thinking about all those 30, those 30 things all at the same time. Totally, totally. Yes. So and I'm guilty on that. I, it's new to me because I'm new to this. OK, but I'm OK. Not, I'm not a hyper person. But I, up there, I'm doing that. Yes, yes. So um, <laughs> the the st some of the kind of foundational strategies that I think are going to be very helpful for you, right, is making sure you're you're getting plenty of intense cardio exercise. Do you do that? Cool. Yeah, and not enough anymore. Yeah, got to okay, build and, it back and in. Do it in the morning. School. Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> right. I would, if you've never had any kind of meditation or mindfulness based practices, I would certainly explore that. Okay. Cool. I yeah. found for myself that when I am in an active practice of, of mindfulness-based meditation, um, that I find it's easier to engage in tasks that I tend to put off. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other piece is medication. Um, you know, the, the, when I first started taking medication for, for ADHD, it, it was this strange experience that many people with ADHD uh, uh, describe as, wow. I felt normal for the first time, right? So for the very first time, this is when I was in, this is when I was in college, my sophomore year of college, for the very first time in my life, um, I read a chapter of a book and I actually could tell you what I read because my brain didn't go in 30 different directions by the end of the first paragraph of a chapter, right? Uh, and so it, it really it quiets all those other thoughts. And it can be amazing if, if uh, you've never taken medication and you, and um, you do a trial medication and it's, and it works, uh, for you like, oh my goodness. Like I didn't realize how busy my mind really was. I, I love what you said about meditation. Uh, actually I, I've done practice yoga for, for years and, and when I'm not doing school or maybe, uh, elderly mom care stuff, it's like, that's where I want to be. In fact, I have to kind of watch it to make sure I'm not doing it too much, which is kind of ironic, but as to medication, uh, I, I, I know what you said about it being strange and wonderful. I'm still waiting for the wonderful 
uh, the Adderall and uh, I could look at the bottle. Uh, a couple of things we've tried so far. It just seems I'm, I'm wanting to push that medical river to say, okay, what's the next thing that didn't work that didn't work and I'm, I'm, it's sort of uh, embarrassing to be 52 and still finding my uh what works kind of so i work with anyway, many people that. in their 50s and in their 60s who are just discovering that they have adhd now and uh so i just want you to know robert that you're not alone and to stick with it you know the, you. The, the, the studies show that between, somewhere between 70 to upwards of 90% of people have a positive treatment response to medication. Okay. So that Great. doesn't mean that it, no, a positive treatment response does not mean that it's going to eliminate every symptom because it will not eliminate every symptom. And so I think it's really important to have a realistic understanding of what medication can and can't do. Um, Right. When I first started taking medication, I was the hardest working, least efficient student on that college campus. <laughs> right. I mean, I would pull all, I almost pulled it all weaker. Right. Like that, I don't recommend that to anybody. What happens to your brain when you don't sleep for a week? I mean, it, it's that's my problem right now. Yeah. And, and sleep will be the other piece too, Robert, is if you're not sleeping, like your brain is running at, at half its ability at best. Laura, well, thank you for all these questions. I want to be able to uh, to uh, field some other questions, and uh, you know, thank you, stay with the community, stay with us, and uh, <laughs> um, we're glad to have you here. Thanks so much. All right, who do we have next? The next question is from Denise, and it's a great question. What are your thoughts on mind mapping for ADHD? I love this question because I love mind mapping. Um, it's probably one of my very favorite tools, strategies that we can use for ADHD for a number of different reasons. One, mind mapping is all relational based, right? So we start with a, an idea in the center and then we branch out from that idea. You know, unlike an outline where you have to have your topic idea, then sort of fill it in in a very linear way. You know, most people that I know with ADHD um, if you, you know, say, uh, I don't know, a spatula and plant, like they could figure out how to connect that in three steps, right? Like people without ADHD, you're gonna be like, what the heck are you talking about? Right? So the, the beauty of that kind of relational, somewhat tangential thinking in a mind map is you can get it out of your head in a very tangential way. But because of the spatial relationships in a mind map, um, you can then begin to organize and reorganize how information relates to it, to, uh, to you and to the project and to your ideas, and then be able to see it in a way that actually is organized. So I use mind mapping and I guide my, my coaching groups uh, through a, a series of mind mapping exercises, beginning with doing a big brain dump, just getting everything out of their head, um, and then moving through pages where we look at what are the those kind of nagging tasks that we just want to kind of get rid of and are, are just sitting on brain cells and we haven't done anything with them. You know, using sort of that that getting things done methodology or if it takes two minutes and do it, why well, take the ADHD version of that if it takes somewhere between five to 15 minutes, then, then do it because nothing takes anybody with ADHD two minutes. Um, so 
you can do that for, for planning. You can identify what are the things you want to prioritize? What are the things you want to defer for later? But you can also use this for projects. You can use this for organizing a paper. Um, you know, so there's so many different uses for, for mind maps. I think the, the thing that's critical, though, is to look at that mind map and then extract the information that you're going to need, whether it's putting it into your calendar, into a to-do list, and then setting... Uh, dates in your calendar to then go back to revisit your your mind map to sort of see where you're at um, in in the progress in the process of that mind map. I look at mind maps as living, breathing documents um, that you can revisit very, very often. Um, so that's my response to that question. I hope that it answered that. Nisha, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I, I also want to add one more use that I discovered recently. So um, just recently, I had a thought that I wanted to have better systems around the house for chores. And I couldn't come up with anything right off the bat, um, new systems that I could implement. So I started with what was not working. So I use the mind map to literally document all the struggles that I have been having in each area. And surprisingly, just by articulating those struggles, the solutions just came out of the blue. And I have implemented a couple of them and I'm really happy with that. So uh, don't think of a mind map as like, it has to be used this way or that way. Just use it for, use it like a way to relieve the sort of chatter in your head. Um, and then you'll find answers right when you're sort of sorting out your thoughts. That's great. All right. So what is the next uh, question that we have? Paul S. had a question about digital planners, Google, Yahoo, iPhone apps, calendars versus analog. Wait, this is one, this is one question? Yeah, this was one question about all these different tools. I guess his question is about what's better and I kind of know what you're going to say, uh, but, <laughs> um, you know, I think he's trying to pick between different tools and he'd like to know what is better, digital or analog, um, when it comes to planning and calendars. Probably one of the most frequent questions I get is what's the best sort of fill in the blank? What's the best app? What's the best tool? What's the best calendar? Um, and, you know, I have downloaded hundreds, literally hundreds of apps for for productivity uh, related things. And the conclusion that I have come to is that there is no best app, right? Because the app will do lots of things except do the thing that you put on your app that you need to do, right? It's, you could put on your, your whatever to-do list app, whatever calendar app that say you need to return the calls, right? It will remind you in all kinds of creative ways, but it's not going to return the call for you, right? It'll, you can put on your, your, uh, app to get started on a certain project and it will remind you in all kinds of creative ways, right? But it's not going to start the project for you, right? So, so I think it's really important to understand, um, when you have, cause it's such a common issue. People have 150 items on their, on their to-do list app and say, this app isn't working for me. And, you know, then I'll find out that this is the fourth or fifth or 10th time that they've gone through the cycle. And, you know, the honest part about this is that it's not the app, right? It's you have to have a process of going through your to-do list. So whether it's paper, you have to look at it. If it's on a to-do list, you have to look at it and then you have to do those items, right? Capturing it on your to-do list, that's the easy part. Doing it, that's the harder part, right? And so it's, this stuff does take work. There's no, I mean... 
when we're looking at developing systems, finding tools, we're trying to make things easier. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, though. And I think it's a really important thing to really understand that the hard stuff is hard. You know, this stuff takes takes work. Um, and so things that I would look at, whether it's digital or paper, is what's the language that you're using on your to-do list? Are you say, let's say you have, uh, say here's a really common one that I see. Um, I'll see on somebody's to-do list, they'll say doctor. And I'll say, what about the doctor? Say, I have to call the doctor. Okay, do you have that doctor's phone number? And then say, well, I actually need to find the doctor. So that's a completely different set of, of tasks because what's involved in that is maybe you need to ask three friends for uh, uh, recommendations. And then on your to-do list, I would suggest to name each friend on that to-do list uh, to, to ask because otherwise doctor that's going to be one of those tasks that is gets on there for, you know, and gets forwarded week after week after week because it doesn't really tell you anything, right? At the, at the time you wrote it down, you knew exactly what that meant. The, we have this kind of false uh, illusionary bias that, oh yeah, I'll remember that. I call it one of the top lie that we tell ourselves is I'll remember that. Um, if you live by the philosophy that our memories stink, right, that we're going to forget stuff, right? Um, and it's not, it's not a, a, a moral judgment, right? Just know that our brains for our short-term working memory, it's kind of like Swiss cheese. It just falls out really, really quickly and easily. So if we live by the assumption that we're going to forget, then we can live a, create strategies around us to help support and catch all those things that we want to do that we don't want to forget. Um, so I hope that sort of answers the the sort of a strategic approach to what you're looking for, but it didn't really yeah, address and I think the tools. Paul has another question about what do we think about, what does everyone think about bullet journaling? I don't know if there's everyone, anyone here who bullet journals on an active basis. Um, I think it really depends on, this is my opinion on bullet journaling. It really depends on how comfortable you are writing out things. I know there are apps. I know NoteShelf, like I mentioned before, is an app that uh, people tend to use for bullet journaling. Um, if you're okay with writing things down and having to rewrite things, and if you're okay with the imperfections that come out of a system like that, I would say bullet journaling may be for you. With anything, I would say give it a shot, but give it a shot for a long enough time that uh, you at least see results. I feel like a lot of us tend to, and we're all guilty of this. So, uh, you know, taking an app and trying to pick it up in three days and then giving up on it. Um, every system has its imperfections with a written system, like a bullet journal, there's a lot of imperfections and, uh, you know, having to correct things. Are you going to tear out the page if, it, if there's one spelling mistake? Are you that kind of person? Then I would stick, you know, uh, think and rethink the bullet journal. Um, yeah, so that's my thought on it. Eric, do you have any thoughts on the bullet journal? Um, you know, it's, I, I've talked to people who, I, I used to do a sort of a morphed version of a bullet journal. I actually created a whole sort of planning system that, I use for about two years and now I don't use it anymore. And I think that's what, what I've really discovered. And I think it's, this is to me, this seems, and I hope for, for you, this is almost freeing is to not, you know, pin yourself to think that you have to stick with a particular tool for this, like forever. Right. I, I hear so many people that say that they just want to stick with one thing and stick with it, you know, forever. 
And it's, you know, if I use the same kind of to-do based uh, a tool uh, for over six months, that's a win, right? And if I stop using it, then I'm going to start looking for something else. I, you know, we don't want to be looking for new things every week, right? Um, and it's okay, but it's okay to mix things up. Just make sure that you're working from one tool at a time. Like if you're going to move to another tool, be very um, thoughtful about it and very strategic about how you transfer information over. Um, you know, right now I am using a, uh, a little, I think it's four by six uh, hardcover moleskin that fits in my pocket. Like that's now, right? Like I may do something different. I've actually been thinking about going to a digital system that, uh, so I can uh, share more collaboratively with with Nisha and other people from my team. Um, you know, I, I like to be able to handwrite it. There's something about the tactile component of it. But, um, you know, but this is also the reason why I rely exclusively on digital calendars because of the ability to, to share it with others and to be able to have a, a um, systemized process that I can s spend the time to set it up and then I can not have to worry about doing all the scheduling. All right. So the next uh, question is from Callie and she'd like to go live. All right, Callie's being promoted to a panelist. Congratulations on your promotion, Callie. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's hey, good to see you. Good to see you guys, both of you. How's school going? Oh, I don't even know what to say, Eric. Should I ask a different question? It's um, it's it's like um, well, it's like this big monster that's eaten every bit of my time and energy and thought but i love it so what do i say to that you know i i, I can actually relate <laughs> you know where it's like you love it and it's exhausting and um yeah uh, it's, it's great to see you guys probably re remember uh, Callie from episode do you, do you remember what episode number you, you no it was the one on um kicking anxiety in the butt or something like that. Yes. Yeah. It, it, was, yeah. it was an awesome episode. So well, thank um, you. All right. Kelly, what question do you have? Um, I was asking about um, how in the world am I going to make it without the coaching and accountability group and without all this great support. And I'm off Facebook because it was sucking, you know, it was like, I couldn't do both because I would get on Facebook and I would get lost in the vortex. Okay. So here I am now, and I don't have that awesome community of people, um, and I'm working a lot, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not necessarily working at the, all the right things. So it's not that I'm not working hard, just like many of us, but then I look back and think, what did I accomplish? So I need more support, and so I'm asking, okay, what do you do in between coaching group and um, you know, just living the life and all that. Are you, are you still working with, uh, anyone with accountability uh, in the group? I'm working with a wonderful person who she and I check in with each other. It's less constant because we don't have the group, you know? So it's just so funny. We tend to get together at those odd times, you know, and then we'll be connecting a lot and then we'll stop mm -hmm. and then we'll just be lost. You know, it's like, so well, where'd you with, go? with that, I think when, if you're, using an accountability partner in a way that that is sort of up to you guys to sort of structure it, schedule it. Because if it's not scheduled, it's not going to happen. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So I would have a, a, and even if it needs to be rescheduled, I would put a standing event in your calendar, like a specific yeah. days and times. And, okay. um, and so at least it's a checkpoint to say, all right, so if you can't do it that day, then you, then you decide when the next available time to, to do that. 
That makes so much sense. Yeah. And so I think, you know, going to the back into the, the coaching group communities to connect with people and then share with them that you're not in, uh, they're not in Facebook, but that you want to communicate with them. And then, you know, kind of like how we, we map out our systems, map out what the relationship structure will, will look like for accountability. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. I hope that was yeah. helpful. Thanks. It is. Awesome. Okay. Good seeing you as see you too. Great to see you guys. Thank you. All right. Who do we have next? We probably have time for uh, maybe two or three more. Okay. So Kurt had a really great question um, about eliminating tasks that have been on his list since he was 27 and he's now 50. Task bankruptcy. Truly task bankruptcy. You can do it with email bankruptcy, task bankruptcy. If these are tasks that are no longer relevant or just carrying shame for you, just, just because you haven't done it, just give yourself shame-free permission to get rid of those tasks. I do it all the time. Here's one of the things you'll find. If it's still relevant for you and you get rid of it, it's going to pop back up, right? But make sure when it pops back up, it's not because you're feeling shame about not doing it, but because you actually want to still do it. So yeah, don't, don't hold it. It's, it's like excess weight that we're carrying around. You know, it's, it's kind of like the, um, the probably 15 shirts that are still in my closet that I'm never, ever going to wear again. You know, it's like, I just need to make that decision and just get rid of them. I totally agree. And, uh, I, for example, I have, I used to have on my list, I wanted to learn to ski. Um, I have absolutely no core strength and, uh, it was not happening. So I just decided that it was not a priority for me. I couldn't think of spending vacation time learning how to ski. So I took it off my list. That was a very, um, liberating thing for me to do. So, you know, pick out those things and jettison them off your brain so that they don't come and shame you all the time. Yeah, and, and, you know, and I know this is hard, especially if you're in the beginning of this process, but less is more. Okay. Whether it's how much you're trying to do or, um, you know, all the things you're trying to juggle, like less is more. You're going to do extraordinary things by saying no to a lot of good things. Right. You're not going to do anything extraordinary if you're trying to do a bunch of, of things. All right. I think we have time for maybe one more. Um, I think uh, we have another question from Kurt um, because I don't see any other questions, but it is a very relevant question about organization. So he says he often gets stuck because his living space is a mess. And when he goes to organize, there are limitless options. So he gets stopped in his tracks and he looks like a zombie. <laughs> yeah. Um, me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I have mentioned to my wife a couple times recently that I really need to hire a professional organizer. Um, because it is, it's something that I know that I struggle with. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like, I, I know what a good space looks like. I just don't know how to create it. Right. Um, and I'm brilliant at messing it up once it is, does look good. Right. So I think it's, it is a combination of having structured support and accountability to go through and, and do some of the decluttering kind of pieces of it. Um, cause I, I never want to declutter, but it's one of those important tasks. It's boring, but important. And uh, if, you know, whether it's, it's in one of our coaching groups or in the, the online community or even just a, a friend that you have, if you have someone who also has stuff like this to do, you can 
use each other to say, all right, for the next hour, we're going to work on, say, uh, you know, cleaning our room or whatever, whatever it is. Um, so I think that just trying to one narrow your focus on what you're trying to clean. Like don't try to rearrange your entire place, focus on a corner of your place. Um, you know, so breaking it down uh, the best that you can um, and, you know, and get help. You know, it's, this is, this is an, an area that once you, I think when we look at self-awareness and say, okay, what is it that I'm good at? What is it that I struggle with? Right. Yes. These things take effort, but this is not just try harder, right? This is we have to try differently. And sometimes that means we have to ask for help. And sometimes that means hiring help. Um, you can, you know, maybe there's a service that, that you do really well that one of your friends could use from you. You can maybe exchange some, some services. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to, uh, to approach that. Um, so I hope that answers that question. We are at uh, 131. I did want to mention, and I uh, regretfully didn't put the dates right in front of me, but we do ha now officially have dates for um, the the winter session for the coaching group. Mr. Dubai, any chance uh, are you going to bail me out on this one and share the dates? It starts on January 16th. Yes, and we and then we just set the date for early registration. Now, I don't have any of the landing pages or any of that set up yet. But if you recall uh, last session, um, we had a one week early registration where it was about 50% off the cost of the coaching group. We're going to do something very similar to that again uh, this go around. And it's going to be right after the... Uh, I got back from the Chad conference. I apparently did not add it to, to the calendar that I thought I did. It's on my real time board. Did you write that down, Nisha? You, got, you guys are getting to see ADHD in its real form right now. It's November 16th to November 22nd. Thank you. So uh, mark your calendars for that, and we'll be getting more information out for that really soon. Um, if you're not currently on my uh, email list, um, I would definitely recommend doing that because we're going to be sending out more reminders about uh, the the, the uh, rest of the Q&As that we'll be doing for October. We also have the uh, um, a three-part series we're going to be doing on um, insurance. It's called uh, your, your ADHD-Friendly Guide to Insurance going from WTF to done. Um, so we have someone who's going to be helping uh, you guys understand everything that doesn't make sense, which is most things in the world of insurance. Um, and so it's going to be a, a, a presentation webinar followed by a Q&A. And then there's a third part that we're going to kind of leave as a surprise for right now because it's uh, amazingly awesome and all of this is going to be free. So um, was there any other announcements that I... Um, I'm not thinking about that as soon as we end this uh, webinar, I want to say, oh, I for should have said that. Join us next week for this webinar. So some of you who still have, who still have questions that we weren't able to get to, come back here, ask those questions, share your stories. We want to hear more from you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nishan, for everybody who uh, who asked a question uh, during this webinar. And if you found a value for this webinar, uh, please also share it with uh, your friends on social media. And uh, if you have not done so already, if you are a listener of the podcast, please go to iTunes and leave an honest rating and review. It truly, truly does help other people find this podcast. Um, and I've received so many emails from people telling me that 
finding the podcast because of where it was on iTunes um, had changed their lives. So please help spread ADHD awareness by just taking a few minutes to leave an honest rating and review. And thank you. And we'll see you back here next week. Bye, everybody. This has been Eric Tivers, and I want to thank you for listening and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode, learn more about the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group, and more. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. Don't just be a passive listener. Be an active member of the community. Submit your request to join our free and growing community on Facebook. Watch for a message from me on Facebook because I screen everyone before they come in the group. Podcasts do change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Share it online or share it with a friend. If you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, let people know about this show. And if you really loved this episode, please hit share on your podcast player. One of the biggest things you can do to support this podcast and help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher. If you can't figure out how to do it, message me on Facebook or through my website and I'll be happy to walk you through it. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at Audible by using my affiliate link at audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Not sure where to start? Start with Brene Brown's The Gift of Imperfections or her six-hour recorded workshop, The Power of Vulnerability. This is Eric Tivers reminding you that when you spend time to plan, you will save time that you could spend later. Until next time.